Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the show. Well, it's 2019 now. I remember the first episode of 2018. I said that I wanted to make the BitCast bigger and better. Well, it was kind of a slow process, and I knew it would be. But with that said, I think 2018 was a pretty good year for the show. And for one, I'm still doing it. That's a start. Had some guests for the first time, got a little fancier with some of my editing, started having more of a social media presence. By the way, look for the BitCast on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find it there. Same name and everything. I was going to do a top whatever list for the games I played in 2018, but nah, I don't wanna. Instead, I'm just going to reflect on all the different games I've played, or the games I didn't play but had a lot of exposure to. Everything I spent a decent amount of time with all throughout 2018. Probably try to keep the pace brisk, I don't want to bog everything down because there's a lot to recap. It's just kind of a general reflection. A lot of these games have had episodes dedicated to them already. So I'll probably just give a shorter version of what I might have said in certain episodes, but I would recommend you listen to those respective episodes so I can kind of give you more of a picture of what I'm talking about. And I'll be going in order for the most part. So, here we go. The first game I really spent a decent amount of time with that wasn't left over from last year was Until Dawn, when... I sat there while Henry played it, and we kind of cooperated through a lot of the choices of the game. We talked about that in Bit 14. Until Dawn was very different from a lot of games I've encountered up to this point. I knew that there were those types of visual novel games that don't really have a lot of player input. They're mostly about reading the dialogue and all that. But Until Dawn kind of merges with what a movie is, where the most you really do is walk around or do quick time events. Sometimes the gameplay, even when you're in control, it's all about not moving. It's really weird. The graphics are really impressive in certain shots, usually far away shots and in the dark, admittedly. I couldn't even tell that it wasn't a live action movie. Very unique, uh, but we kind of left it behind almost as quickly as it was introduced to us. This was like January 3rd, so that was about a year ago, actually. The next game I spent any real amount of time with was A Link Between Worlds. I replayed that. That was actually the third time I played through the game. I got more familiar with it by then, and I think this was the point where I stopped really liking the game and started really loving the game. It grew even more on me, maybe because of my various comments on Breath of the Wild being just a little too open and too detached from Zelda for my tastes. I like how this game handles the open aspects a lot more, while not really betraying a lot of the common Zelda-isms. I remember just kind of sitting back and listening to 
music as I played or watching stand-up comedians or Full Metal Alchemist on Netflix. Because, you know, the third time with the game, I kind of get what everything sounds like. I want to just multitask at that point. Because that's a thing. I like listening to the music of the game when I play it. But once you're familiar enough with the game, you start thinking, or at least I do, that it's time for something else in the background. Next game was A Hat in Time, which I went over during bit 20. A Hat in Time was excellent, and I, I guess I'll talk about the DLC a little bit too, even though that was a few months later. It was a Christmas gift from my friend Chloe, but I couldn't play it because it was the PC version and my PC was having some issues, but we eventually figured it out. Hat in Time is probably one of the most standout games I've encountered that entire year, probably in my top two favorites of the entire year, even though I haven't talked about it too much on the show compared to certain other games. It's just really evocative of childhood memories of playing platform games and some of the writing I remember from my childhood. It's just a wholesomeness to it that I really can't deny and would never want to deny. Then later in September, I played the DLC, the Seal the Deal. I, I shilled for it in a later episode, very shortly before it was released. It's not like I was sponsored by Gears of for Breakfast or anything. They're not going to notice me. And I'll be honest, it, it didn't do a whole lot for me at the time because I, I couldn't deal with the difficulty because I'm not good at video games. But I think that... If I waited a little longer, I probably would have enjoyed it more because they patched a lot of the difficulty I had with it to be a little more cooperative. This is stuff I'd like to go over if I can get Henry back on the show because he's played the game and I kind of want to go over this with him a little more. But yeah, a hat in time, I still fully recommend it because even if the DLC was a little crazy, the base game is just so charming and... The mods, if you're playing on the PC version, really add a whole new layer to the game. Another game I played was 100% Orange Juice, which is... How do I describe this game? It's some kind of board game with a lot of cutesy anime-style drawings like Puyo Puyo Tetris or whatever. And it's almost pure chaos. It's not a game that I'm really into, but it's really hectic, and it's fun to kind of see if you can make yourself win. I feel like it's one of those games where there's really no clear-cut winner until the last minute. It's a game that I play with a lot of my online friends. Kirby 64 was a game I got back into because I watched Vinny play it on Vine Sauce. This was... One of the first of many games that I got into again because of him, because I'm a big fan, so you can tell since I regurgitate a lot of his sense of humor. But Kirby 64 was interesting to look back on, especially with Kirby Star Allies, so I could look back once I was playing Kirby Star Allies and like, oh yeah, there's that thing from Kirby 64, like the little plug guy. I actually tried to play Kirby's Dreamland 2 since that's the first in a trilogy that ends with Kirby 64, but I got too frustrated with one of the 
difficult collectibles. I, I told you, I'm really not that great at video games. I'll rage quit that Kirby game because I just wasn't feeling that collectible. I should probably give it another chance, though, because I do like to have context for early games in a series like that. The next game that really comes to mind for me is Ace Attorney 2 Justice for All. This was my first exposure to any of the Phoenix Wright games. I watched my friend Connor playing it on streams, and he had a bunch of his friends and also myself there, and we were all just kind of talking over it, and occasionally I'd ask questions about the game. I was mostly just goofing off, though, but learning about how Phoenix Wright games, or Ace Attorney games, really, work was very interesting. I got to see what that was all about, because I've heard of these games, everyone's heard of these games, and I know that they have a really loyal fan base with all their inside jokes and everything, so it was really cool to finally crack open that shell and see just what was going on in there. Around the same point, I started getting into the Danganronpa games, which I discussed a bit in Bit 24. I started getting into the first game, the second game, and V3. I even went ahead and watched the anime called Danganronpa 3, which was kind of weird, but eh. The games are generally more preferred, and it's kind of like Ace Attorney, where it's like, oh, I can see what this entire fandom is now. And they're similar to the Ace Attorney games in that there's a lot of courtroom drama, but it's all very stylized. I think I prefer the Danganronpa games more, though, because you have a more consistent cast throughout, and there's just a lot more style that I like. But I can see a fan of one being a fan of the other. Danganronpa has really strong character writing, I think, and... At the time, while I didn't play any of the games, it was kind of a first impressions episode, I did eventually purchase the second game on Steam, because that looked like the one I'd enjoy the most, and I have yet to play very much in it. I think that a lot of the talking and cutscene length just kind of turned me off a bit, which is unfortunate, because I really liked it when I marathoned it on YouTube. I think... Maybe that kind of gave me a bit of commitment anxiety with actually playing the game, though, but I still want to at some point. A few games that I kind of put together on the list, because they all kind of mesh together for me, are also games that my Ace Attorney friend played, is Demi Kid's Dark Version, which is kind of like the Shin Megami Tensei games, which is where the Persona games originated, but it's simplified a lot, made a lot more kid-friendly, because they wanted to get some of that Pokemon pie. It was a weird game. It didn't really have anything of value to it. But the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone JRPG, or at least JRPG-type combat, for the Game Boy Advance, or was it the Game Boy Color? <laughs> I, I don't know. Harry Potter just has so many spin-offs. I could probably be right no matter what I say, but there were all these trading cards in the game, and Draco was surprisingly helpful, and Ron and Hermione were useless, 
Harry just did everything by himself, and everything was all about the cards, and for some reason, Harry likes telling people how much he likes Hagrid. I don't know, it was a weird game. And Tony Hawk's Underground. I, I knew there were those Tony Hawk video games, but I never really got what they were about besides skating. All I really remember is that you had this jerk named Eric, who starts the game as your friend, but he just keeps screwing you over as the game progresses to the point where he's the final boss and you just want to punch the guy and in one of the alternate endings you do really eric is just kind of the most i remember from that game the next game that i actually played by myself for real was link's awakening the dx version on my original 3ds and that was excellent Again, I kind of got the idea after watching Vinny play the game, but I played it myself too. I didn't just some play some random related game. This was the first time I've ever really attempted playing Link's Awakening, and I spent a few weeks on it. It was really fun. I just liked seeing this primitive Zelda game that still works. There were a lot of inconveniences that weren't fixed yet, but I still had fun with it. This was the last Zelda game before Ocarina of Time, too, so it's kind of the end of an era in some way. I want to talk about this game in an entire episode, but that's going to have to happen later on. But Link's Awakening it was very good. If for some reason you still haven't played it yet, but you are interested in Zelda games or retro games, that has the X-Man seal of approval. Kirby Star Allies, which I talked about in bit 31 and bit 44, and I feel like I should talk about that again in a future bit now that all the rest of the DLC is out. I don't really know, though. It'll have to be determined. But Kirby Star Allies was a game that started off pretty good and ended pretty good. Ah. I don't think I'd call it my favorite Kirby game, that's probably still Planet Robobot, but it's a lot more fun now that all the new characters are there and the extra modes and stuff. I'm a little curious why they didn't just have those in the base game, though. The game is mostly easy until you start getting into the final new content. If you like Kirby games, I think you'd like Star Allies. I had a lot of fun with it. There's a lot of good music. It's it's actually very easy to just get lost in the guest star mode and keep playing with all the different ally characters. Night in the Woods, which I discussed in Bit 60 with Alfalfa. That was a game where it was kind of hard for me to sit through during certain moments because it just got so bleak, but the high points and the social aspect of hanging out with friends made up for it, and... Overall, I think the game went out on a strong note. I think it was recent enough that... Okay, well, here's the thing. We played it around the summertime, but we didn't actually get to talk about it on the show until the wintertime. So a lot of time has passed. How many times can I say time? Time, time, time. Hat and time. Anyway, anyway. Night in the Woods is a game that... I'd probably only want to play once in a while if I had a copy of it my own. It's not a game I could just keep coming back to and just 
playing over and over again. I have to be in a really good mood for it, I think. That's obviously just my opinion, because I think it really resonates stronger with some people more than others. This is a game that could have only have been made in the the 2010 decade. You look outside and see people in their teenage years, their 20s and 30s, and this is a game that, that captures them. Earthbound is a game I got introduced to this year through a Let's Play, thanks to Chugga Conroy. It's a game that I'd already known about, and I've heard it has this legendary reputation for its cult fan base, but other than a few things with it, I never really bothered to look into Earthbound that much. I was more interested in Mother 3, but I took a look at Earthbound, and it was, it was cool. It's it's a game that I've never seen anyone like. They always love Earthbound. I, I know some people don't like Earthbound, and from what I've seen, it's very surprisingly easy to dislike. The game doesn't pull any punches. It's going to have its own style and stick with it, whether you like it or not, which I can respect. But that does mean that there's got to be some people out there who think it's not all that it's cracked up to be. But for every one of those, there's five people who just gush over it, how it's their favorite game, how it inspired them so much, and how they want their indie game or writing to resemble Earthbound in some way, even though I don't think that's what Earthbound was really about. I can respect what Earthbound tried to do and did, and I, I can't help but be impressed by the thoroughness of the fan base for that game. But... As for me personally, I feel like I'm not really gonna miss too much if I don't play it myself. I actually did play it, now that I think about it more. I, I got an old copy of the game back when it was still rare, and I tried to play it, and I lost almost right away, and I was just like, I don't want to play anymore. But I, I kept the game anyway because it was rare, and I thought maybe someday. Though now it's a lot easier to get with Virtual Console, I think. I should probably talk about this in a dedicated episode as well. Maybe get someone who's actually played and enjoyed Earthbound, and we can kind of have a more thorough discussion there. I'm really interested in that. On my birthday, I received Splatoon 2, which is a game I talked about alongside the first Splatoon in Bit 10. And... Bit 10. Bitten. i bitten more off than I can chew with Splatoon 2. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, Splatoon 2, I played some online matches, and it's uh, it's as fun as I remember. It's as fun as playing Splatoon 1 was. I tried to play some of the story mode, but I have to play the Switch exclusively in handheld mode because my TV doesn't really want to hook up to the Switch anymore, and not all of the controls really complement that. So I hit a brick road with there. And then there was the Nintendo online service that I couldn't pay for until very recently, so I couldn't even do a lot of the multiplayer in Splatoon, but now that I have the Wi-Fi, I want to get back into that more. I want to play in a lot more Splatoon fights. WarioWare Gold. I talked about this in Bit 45, the episode I accidentally uploaded twice. WarioWare... well, okay. WarioWare Gold is just a part of that episode, but that was probably the biggest part of it, if I if I were to guess. 
WarioWare Gold is like the Smash Brothers Ultimate of the WarioWare series. It just has almost all the highlights of all the other games all rolled into one, coupled with some fun modes that are all new, and some really good voice acting and really cute character design for the most part. That That is the WarioWare game, to be all WarioWare games, I would think. Octopath Traveler, the one that I talked about in bits 46, 49, 62, and 63, and that one time I talked about it in, like, a demo, because I played the demo that one time, and I just really wanted to do an episode, that is probably the other favorite game of 2018. So, A Hat in Time and Octopath Traveler, those two games win the award, I think. Not a whole lot left I can say about Octopath Traveler at this point. I pretty much bled that stone dry, and then Philip came, and then we both just ping-ponged that stone back at each other, squeezing out, I don't don't know, the bone marrow. What do you squeeze out after all the blood comes out? Yeah, going off the cuff. You can all see how creatively bankrupt I am. The Metal Gear Solid games, particularly 1 through 3. 2018 was the 20-year anniversary of Metal Gear Solid, and Vinny streamed it, and of course I watched Vinny stream it. So I realized that due to the anniversary, I wanted to talk about it. I thought it would be appropriate, and the anniversary was very close to the date of the episode that we talked about it in, me and my brother. Couldn't really pull that off with Ocarina of Time's anniversary episode, but oh well. Huh. Metal Gear Solid came out before Ocarina of Time did. I I didn't really put it in those words yet until just now. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid 1. Talked about that in bit 47 with Anthony, and I feel like everything I have to say about that still holds up. Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3... I have yet to talk about those in proper episodes, but I intend to at some point. And I watched Vinny stream those two. I I watched him stream one and two, and then I went back and watched his archived recordings of three. Those games I didn't pay as much attention to when Anthony played them as I did with the first one, but I learn a little bit more each time I watch a playthrough as a result. It's just really nice seeing how different pieces of the Metal Gear universe fit together like that on repeat visits. Deltarune, which I talked about in Bit 57, that demo of a sort for the Undertale spiritual successor that came out on Halloween, really captures a lot of the highlights of Undertale and refines a few things, and it came out at a really good time for me personally, because not only am I a Vinesauce fan, but I also occasionally watch his friend Jabroni Mike, and he was playing Undertale, and watching him play Undertale, it reminded me that I still liked Undertale, because I have a bit of a weird relationship with that game, where I legitimately like Undertale, but I kind of spent some time away from it because I got a little tired of it, and it's one of those games where if someone talks about it or references at all on the internet, everyone else is like, oh, stop talking about Undertale already, you Undertale freak! and all the memes with Sans and stuff. It just kind of started leaving a bad taste in my mouth, but I remember that I actually do like the game. And 
to be honest, I, I don't know what's going on with all the Sans jokes anymore. I think now people only joke about him ironically, which is some next-level meme stuff. I don't even know. But, uh, that's not really talking about Deltarune, is it? That's talking more about Undertale. Uh, Deltarune. <laughs> it's good. It, it's too short, because it's it's just the first part. I want more. I want the whole game. We're gonna have to wait several years for it, because we don't know how much trouble Toby's gonna have. Come on, Toby. I I'm sending you all of my energy. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna need some of that back, though, so I'm, I'm gonna send you a portion of my energy to... Make Deltarune a reality. I believe in you. Next game that I really spent a lot of energy thinking about is Wario World. Like, again, because of Vinny. I always thought that game was a little underappreciated. It has its flaws, sure, but there's something to be enjoyed with that game, and I think that it gets overlooked with all the Wario Land games, and especially the WarioWare games. This is just a really bizarre title, probably one of the weirdest Wario games, and it's got a good soundtrack. Talked about that in Bit 59. Persona 5, Dancing in Starlight. If you might remember, around Bit 40, I believe, somewhere in that area, I talked about Persona 5 for the second time with my friends Michael and Desiree. We got together one night, and we started playing the Persona 5 dancing game together, and it was really fun. We unlocked all the songs in a single night, because we played for hours. It really captures a lot of the fun of the Persona characters. I know the Persona spin-offs are a little notorious for kind of messing with the characterization, but I feel like everyone was themselves from what I saw. And, of course, the big one. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, the game that I talked about so many times in so many loopholes to justify talking about it on the show. It took until bit 61 to actually talk about the game itself, and I'm still not done talking about it. I gotta talk about the World of Light in a future episode, and that will probably be the last major devoted episode, unless I really need to talk about the DLC for some reason. Smash Brothers Ultimate, it's a game that I went from loving, to liking, to loving again, and and it's just, you know, it's, it's Smash Brothers, I can't help but love it. I don't think it really broke a lot of ground for me personally, in the same way that playing Hat in Time and Octopath did, I'd probably put that in the third place position if I were to rank all the games that I played this year, but Smash Brothers Ultimate is, you know, you know what you're getting into. It's really good. You've got to have heard all the news about it by now if you're the kind of person who's even listening to this. Yeah, go get it if you haven't played it already, or save up for it or something. And then, one more game. It's one of the games I got for Christmas, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which I was interested in after hearing a lot of the music from it in Smash Bros. Ultimate. I haven't spent a lot of time with the game yet, but I'm enjoying it so far. It's really, really expanded on some of the ideas conceptually in Xenoblade Chronicles 1, not always in the best way, but 
I'm, I'm gonna not talk about the game too much, because I've only beaten the first chapter right now, and, you know, it's an RPG, so there's gonna be a long time before I can really have the complete picture of the game. I remember Xenoblade 1 took me 80 hours, I think, and that was stretched out over a month. So this game is probably gonna be a bit of a commitment for me, but I like it so far. And with that, I think that's pretty much my year. My 2018 is a pretty good year. Learned about some new games, played some new games, revisited an old game at least once. Actually, yeah, there's a lot more newness than oldness this year, but I don't mind. As for 2019, I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to play, what I really want to play, I'm just going to kind of take it as it comes. I'm going to also keep doing the show, because, you know, I can't stop doing the show, it's too fun. And I want to make it even more bigger and even more better, have even more guests. I have a lot of ideas for episodes with various guests. So, if you want to keep up with me, you can find the BitCast on Facebook and Instagram. Like I said way back at the beginning, I've got the same username. It's the BitCast. So you'll know it when you see it. It's even got the same logo. You can also subscribe to the show on Podcast One's website and mobile app. And you can find the show on iTunes. And with that, I'll see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.